Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group. I contribute uh, to the Monterey Herald for many years, and I also edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My colleague across the table from me today is Bruce Aldrich, and we have um, a special guest today, um, Sandra Button, who is the chairman of the Concord de Elegance and all of the other related events that are coming up next month on the Monterey Peninsula. It's a wonderful uh, time to attend the Monterey Peninsula. If you have any passing interest in automobiles, cars and trucks and everything that's related to it, um, it's just a great almost two weeks now. But um, Sandra, thank you for, for taking the time to talk to us today. You guys have, um, we have a personal anniversary, your 35th um, in, at the Concours and the 70th uh, anniversary of the event. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Could, could you give us an overview of this year's event with the 70th anniversary and, and, and what that milestone means to, to the event and, and means to you? Well, I think one of the things that is pretty pretty neat about the Pebble Beach Concours is that our our roots are definitely uh, in motorsport. And actually, you know, as we're celebrating 70 years of the Pebble Beach Concours, we're also celebrating 70 years and the 70th anniversary of the Pebble Beach Road Races, which really were the star of the show in 1950. Yes. And... Uh, the Concorde was honestly just uh, 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 an afterthought, really. It's like the races were the show, and uh, all the attention was on that. And then they thought, well, let's let's kick tires and talk cars, you know, after the races are done. And uh, believe it or not, the first few years, the classes for the Concorde were basically brand new cars, and they were separated by how much the new car cost. So it was, you know, if it was $1,500 and above or $1,500 and below, that's sort of how they they split the classes up. Yes. Much has changed. <laughs> yeah, sure has. <laughs> yes, Sandra, could you take us through the uh, classes that are there now? I mean, there's, I don't know, Roadster, open, closed, uh, four-door. What are some of the classes? Well, you know, it's interesting. Jay Leno, I that you know, the Pebble Beach Concourse. Who's that? Like, Who's that? Yeah, really. Go ahead. It's I'm kind sorry. of like a, a music festival. You know, there's something for everyone. You know, there's the the rock and roll and the symphony and jazz and everything in between. And, and uh, you know, so our earliest cars are, you know, from the late 1800s. Uh, you know, we have an antique class. Uh, this year, we have a class of early electric vehicles. And that's one of our special features. Uh, the earliest car on the field in that class is is from 1896. So uh, anybody who thinks electric cars are a brand new idea, well, we can Not certainly. Not so much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and then, you know, we kind of go through the eras, you know, vintage cars or brass era cars, you know, primarily from the teens. And kind of the core of the show with um, American classics, uh, which are, you know, and, and all of the the European classic cars that, that come through those classes. Um, this year, we're lucky enough, because of our anniversary, uh, to have a reunion of a bunch of our best of show winners. And uh, right now, uh, we have 40 previous winners coming. Wow. So they'll be all, all along the water, if you can imagine. 
all of those, you know, kind of seeing what, you know, where tastes were in the day and, you know, was it a more formal, bigger car in certain years and, and in others, you know, more of a, of a, you know, French coachwork or, or European coachwork. So they'll, they'll all be there. That's interesting. And then of course, yeah. And then of course, you know, going through all the classes this year, as it has been for the last few years, we actually have more post-war cars on the field than pre-war. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a number of classes of Ferraris, um, because we have our normal two classes, you know, road cars and competition cars. But this year with featuring, uh, Pininfarina, we actually have so many Pininfarina, uh, Ferraris that, uh, that are coach built. Some of the most beautiful Ferraris that you can imagine. So we have an early class with about eight cars and a late class. So this year we actually have four complete classes of Ferraris. So a, a lot of post-war. I remember uh, whether it was talking to you, uh, I wrote a story, um, 2015, with an interview with you for the for the Monterey Herald and other publications, but it also could have been with Candace. What when you try to contact some of these people, um, unfortunately, some of the, some of the people may have passed away or they're in other countries. What is the coordination to get forty of those cars um, to Pebble Beach on a certain given time? That just takes a must be just a Herculean effort to do that. Well, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that it's really a reflection of the passion of the people that currently own those cars. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I kind of thought, you know, I, this is my 35th Concours, my 36th year yes. with, with, you know, um, with the little gap in there. Uh, uh, but we, we talked about, well, should we celebrate and bring these cars back on the 75th anniversary, or should we do it sooner? Um, obviously not knowing there'd be an extra year in there. And what's what's really nice about the best of show display this year and the reunion is we still have many of the owners alive who won with their cars. Yes. So um, to get to talk to that owner about you know why they purchase the car in the first place and, you know, how they decided to restore it or, you know, what historical, you know, you know, uh, for example, Harry Yegi with uh, the Mormon Meteor, uh, that Duesenberg had, because it was raced, had had many different, you know, they changed the body every time they race, right? Yes. So, you know, Harry had to make a decision with that SJ Speedster, um, you know, known as the Mormon Meteor. Uh, what moment in history he should take it back to, and so those uh, those uh, are are pretty uh, uh, interesting decisions. And to get to talk to Harry in front of his car, I mean, I think that's what it's all about. And I'm I'm hoping that you and a lot of the other great journalists will take that opportunity this year. A lot of good stories there. I'll There's, bet it's almost um, sometimes you say that it's the car, but it 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 equal, it's equally important to. And equally interesting, no disrespect to the store behind the car, no disrespect, disrespect to any car, but the people who own them are sometimes at least inter, uh, equally interesting as the car and oftentimes more interesting. So, Well, yeah. I think that's for sure. And, you know, we always say that Pebble Beach is all about the cars and, and it's the cars that win, not the owner. You know, we're yes. not judging the owner. However, <laughs> that's good. you know, let's, let's be honest here. None of these cars get here without these fantastic passionate enthusiasts, right? You bet. Um, I mean, they really make it. So it's that combination. Um, and uh, I'm, 
really looking forward to, you know, seeing, a, well, obviously with an extra year apart, um, seeing some of these great collectors. And, and I can tell you, anytime I talk to them, I learn something. I mean, you know, what a fantastic group of enthusiasts who are infinitely curious. Does an owner have typically or ever have more than one car there? And uh, what else is there about the, the owners? Do they, are some of them tinker with their cars at all or, or do they have their own shops or do you know, you know how, how they get rebuilt? I think that's a really good question because it, it runs the gambit. Um, you know, uh, you know, one of the cars on the field, uh, one of our early electric cars, a Riker is still owned by a member of the Riker family. And in, in that's many cases, yeah, in many cases, these family-owned cars, sometimes it's the only car the family owns. You know, they may, they may not be active in the hobby in general, but they have this great family history. And so sometimes, yeah, we, we get somebody who, you know, they have this car and they're the only one that works on it. And it's it's been taken care of by their family the entire time. And then you get, you know, at the far other end, maybe somebody who owns hundreds of cars and obviously they have a team of people that work on them, and even even having a team, they send the cars out, you know, to important restoration shops sure, uh, yeah. when they get them restored. And you know, they often choose choose the restore based on the mark, and you know, try to get a mark expert. Um, and and so there's there's everything in you know everything you can imagine. Um, you know, I know that there's certain things my husband and I can do to our own cars. But then, you know, there's other people that can get the job done much better and faster. So there's there's a lot of combinations. I assume 3D printers are going to help the old restoration business. They sure do. They're actively in use. <laughs> Very active. Yes. I wanted to remind our listeners that we're speaking with uh, Sandra Button, the chairman, 36-year, 35-year, um, with actual shows uh, at the Concorde Elegance and the other affiliated events. And the one of the areas I'd like to also talk about, the cars are great, and we'll go back to them, but you, you've um, brought in uh, artists through the years. You have a, a wonderful uh, official poster. You have people on site that are doing uh, automotive uh, artwork. Um, how has that expanded under, under your umbrella, if you will, in the last 35 years? It, it seems that um, the more you look, the more you find that's of interest um, in the car world. So what, what are you going to present in that, those areas this year? Well, something that's interesting about the car hobby, and, and you see it not only in anything to do with the automotive lifestyle, right? You know, we have, we have a, an event called Retro Auto uh, where you can go shopping and, and find great collectibles and anything – all things automotive, right, over the years, including yes. art and photography and and uh, fantastic original old posters, um, but but all and, and fantastic books, just just great books. But I think that what's interesting to me about cars is that you know a lot of our judges who are amazing mark experts, many of them are journalists and have have written books on the cars. Some of them, you know, just aren't in a personal position where they they can choose to own a bunch of old cars, but they can still be involved in the hobby, you know, massively involved and super important with all their knowledge. 
Um, so it, you don't have to be rich necessarily to, to love great old cars and to be uh, a part of this event and a part of it, you know, any enthusiast event. And uh, I think that's a great thing about the hobby. Yes, I, I uh, had the opportunity this year to contribute some advanced articles. And one of the ones I did in the last couple of days was on the way that those judges are remembered, uh, honored with scholarships and the scholar program you guys have. And I wasn't really aware of it, um, uh, but when I, I am now, and you're honoring three uh, different areas this year, uh, and those things are fantastic. Uh, the, the judges have... Um, you know, they were one man, one man was a judge for 50 years, I believe, and some of the others in their 40 years being involved. And it's it's a great way to bring some young people into the industry with with those scholarships. It's, it's a great thing. Yeah, we are we are so delighted to be able to do that. And you know, it's a you know very sad thing to lose a fantastic friend and journalist like John Lamb. Yes, um, and a great photographer and uh, a friend to all things cars, right? And, yes, and he, he was, was he yes. was a really close friend with Phil Hill and, and Phil's family. And uh, so the, the, the support that we've received, not just from, you know, car guys and car gals and, and, and collectors, but also from a lot of different manufacturers who have been touched by John Lamb's work. We were able to get the scholarship fund very quickly, fully funded and and are able to already award some scholarships. So, yes. um, and you know, the, so at the McPherson college in Kansas, they, they, you know, they have a full restoration program, but they also are teaching these, these young people about, uh, other areas like marketing and journalism and other ways to participate in the car world. Yes. Um, before I go forward, I wanted to go backward a little bit and put you in the spotlight. I was looking at some of the information that I uh, talked to you about years ago. And in one area, I hope this makes you chuckle, um, and if you're not insulted, I wrote um, Sandra Pruin, uh, now Button, also had been hired as a special events coordinator for Pebble Beach Company to help organize dog shows and golf tournaments and the Car Concorde Elegance as a part-time job. How about that? That's a long way. And that, yeah, that was a long time ago. You know, we also had we had rugby, we had polo. Yeah, uh, there were there were a lot of different events. A little garden show, um, <laughs> the, uh, the Del Monte Kennel Club Dog Show. How fun! Uh, I actually got to go once to the Westminster Dog Show uh, to do a little, you know, investigating to see how we could make our our dog show better. So that that was you know solidly thirty years ago. You could you could um, make make it better by all the owners had to look like their dogs. You know that old story <laughs> that if you own a dog long enough, you look like it. <laughs> I like true. dog shows, but this your pebble is uh, it is, is the real deal. Qu- quite a, a step up. <laughs> yes, um, I do wonder though the uh, the final judging the best to show is that one judge that makes that determination or is it a committee, if you will. Well, it's an interesting process. You know, the, uh, we always say that the judging process starts uh, very early on when we select the cars. So we, we have a, a 12-person team that works together to uh, go through the hundreds and sometimes thousands of entries that we have and pair them down to the 200 cars that are on the field. And those cars that are on the field are split, you know, between about 25 judged classes. 
Okay. And so you put light cars together, like we talked about before, say, you know, early electrics or brass era, or, you know, we have a class of, of eight Packards. So in order to win best of show, you have to win, you have to start by, you know, first winning your class. Yes. And the classes are judged by, uh, class judges who are mark experts. And there's really not a lot of room for uh, subjective judging at that point. It's really, you know, they, they know what the car is supposed to be. And so the winning car on that class becomes part of the winning circle. And so there's one car from each class in the winner's circle. Okay. Once the cars get there, so they've, they've you know, we have, uh, we have about 150 panel judges who judge these individual classes. Once they get to the winner's circle, then that's sort of when the subjective judging starts. Basically, the job has already been done by the panel judges. We know that car's in the winner's circle for a reason. And those of us who hold, hold a ballot, um, and there's about 40 people, so it's a combination of the panel judge, chief class judge, uh, judges that, that are above those panel judges um, that, that take care of those classes, and the honorary judge team leaders that are, are that are out there, you know, in the past, people like Phil Hill or Jackie Stewart, you know, they're they're out there judging. Uh, the honorary judge judges look for special awards like most elegant open or closed car. So there's a combination of forty people that have best of show ballots, and what we do is you walk around the winner's circle, you look at look at those twenty five cars, and basically that moment is sort of like which car strikes me, you know, it's, it is very subjective. It's all about the elegance, the beauty, the style, the stance. And, uh, uh, believe it or not, we often are very close to a tie. You know, the, the judges can be quite split. Um, each individual ballot is, is not discussed. Um, so it's a secret ballot. Um, and, uh, the, but the person's name is on the ballot that way. If I get down to a tie, I know which, which ballots I may be missing okay. and we can call, call for those ballots. So, um, it is very definitely a, uh, done by a group with individual, uh, individual decisions being made. Um, okay, good. And, and if it is like a tie, I mean, something could eliminate the make a second place because, uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a bird speck on the, on the door or something, right? So you'll go with the clean one. (laughs) No, no. No? I I have to say the, the days of, of trailer queens and polish being king are are thankfully over. Oh, okay. uh, you know, no, we, we look at significance, historical significance, um, no, it's not, it's not just about, uh, uh, shiny polish. Cleanliness. Anymore. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. I remember years ago going to one of the other shows and, um, seeing a car and, and I don't really have any expertise. I'm not a judge. Uh, and I thought this car, it just showed up and it was an unusual car and it, and it, it took all the awards and it was just based on my subjectivity of just thinking it was the best. Over the years, um, Sandra, has a car shown up that you just thought in the back of your mind, this is the one, and it turned out to be the one? Well, you know, this year was kind of weird with, you know, no Concours. Yes. And so over the last 18 months, I've had the opportunity uh, to be 
a judge a number of times for yes. uh, so-called, you know, virtual concours yes. events, right? Yes. And and what's been great about those is just the time spent with um, the car tribe of people all over the all over the world, and the ability to zoom in and and look at cars and talk cars and and see each other, right? And mm-hmm. and kind of get through this time. But we all agree, as as fun and 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 connecting as these virtual events were, there's nothing like seeing the cars in person. Yes. And, you know, we have a selection process with our, with our 12 selection committee members. And we, we go away for a few days somewhere different every year where we can go look at other car collections, but also meet all day and look at every single car that, that potentially might be on the field at Pebble Beach. And we have photo, multiple photos and history, and we go through them all, and we make decisions. And sometimes there's a car that we choose in a certain class that I think, oh, well, that's kind of interesting, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be my favorite. And I tell you, the morning of Concours, uh, when I'm greeting the cars first thing in the morning as they come on the field, I have been surprised many, many times seeing a car come around that corner and going, wow, yes. what is that? Better than the because pictures. Because it, it, didn't, it didn't translate in a photo. Yes. Um, and, you know, the stance, the, the height, and everything about it. Um, so I will say, yes, uh, I've seen cars drive on the field on that Sunday morning at Pebble Beach in the mist and thought, that's the one. You know, that's, that's, that's got to run for the roses. Gotcha. Um, I like that. And, and sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm not. And sometimes they don't even make it out of class. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. That there's something technically wrong with the car and it, it didn't pass muster, didn't win its class. So going, it's going, happened a lot of different ways. Sure. Going back to the and, – and in conjunction with the judging process, um, have there been trends through the years? Is it – can I ask it that way that um, some years as time goes by, some of the judges – have a preference in, in something about uh, a certain era of cars that, that comes to mind and all of a sudden they, they like that? Or is it uh, has it remained steady through the years? There must be trends. Huh? Must be trends. No, absolutely. That's a really great question because if, and that's something you're going to see this year as you walk along the water and you take a look at those 40 best of show cars that you'll see that there was, there was a time when a, a, a larger coach built maybe more formal car you yes. know, a bigger more town car type that that they were winners for a few years and then then there was a time when there was really a lot more focus on you know kind of swoopy diminutive uh coach work you know the the teardrop type shapes talbot lago exactly exactly <laughs> And, um, and, you know, certain marks like Bugatti have, have won many, many times. Sure. Um, our, I think our winningest year is 1937 uh, with 1936 right behind. So there really was an era there where there was stunning designs coming out, you know, of these coach builders. But, yeah, it, it, you'll, you'll see sort of the taste change, just, just like I said earlier that you know, now we have more post-war cars on the field. Um, that's just driven by the interest of our enthusiasts, right? I mean, very organically. Sure. Um, and there were years when we had multiple, you know, very formal classes of, of coach-built Rolls-Royce. 
And now, you know, you don't see very many of those cars being entered. 70 years from now, we might be looking at Pagani or McLaren or something exactly. like that. Exactly. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did see, uh, I think, a, what you call preservation cars. Yes, which preservation are, cars. Which would be yeah. like survivors. Well, thankfully, you know, a lot of these cars never got touched. Um, and which so we have two classes. Seems it incredible. seems amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, so we have two classes of preservation. So the pre-war cars, um, this year we have nine cars in that class and just fantastic. You know, there's a Packard, there's a locomobile, there's a, there's a Clement from 1907, which oh, has boy. never been touched. Uh, and, uh, a very special Packard, uh, a Dietrich body Packard, which are, some of the most valuable and beautiful coach built cars. So the fact that that was never, ever restored in all those years, and it's, it's from 1933 is pretty special. Very. And this car has to drive as well. Absolutely. They have to drive their way onto the field. And in order to win a prize, uh, they have to be able to drive up and over the ramp. I can imagine that some of the stories of people who have these vehicles and what they must do to, uh, keep them, uh, it, how do, how do, do you know a story of someone who's kept a car like that? And, and they must just be um, uh, in, in certain environments. They must have special areas for them above and beyond what a normal person would do with, with a special car. Well, I always like the fact that, you know, some of these cars, I think there's a difference between preservation and uh, neglect, Right. Yes. Um, you know, so some cars have never been touched, but they haven't been appropriately taken care of either. Yes. You know, as far as as far as out of the elements or, you know, it they are cars, so they should run. <laughs> yes. And, you know, <laughs> thank you. So I think we're seeing a lot more sensitivity to that. that yes. Um, people are keeping preserving a car not touching the paint, not touching the fantastic patina with the leather and the wood. Oh, yes. But, um, but keeping the mechanicals uh, working, right? Yes. Um, so that it can actually be a car. Because, you know, what we really don't want to have is, you know, like you see in a museum where a Chippendale chair has a ribbon across it and, and you're not supposed to sit in it. You know, I, I understand that. But then it's not really a chair anymore, Right. That's um, right. It's a sculpture. <laughs> it's a sculpture. And, yeah, and yes. I don't want to see that happen to these cars. No. You know, that, that seeing them move, seeing them be cars and driven and raced and all the things that they can do, that's what makes cars uh, the ultimate collectible. Right. I know also on a personal note that you and your husband have cars. Have you guys acquired uh, any recent cars? And do you have something out there that might be the holy grail for you guys to get? On a personal level? <laughs> oh. Well, you know, Martin and I try to collect cars uh, that make us eligible for certain driving events. Yes. So, you know, we like to do the London to Brighton, which is an event. It was just actually the longest running auto automotive event in the world. Yes. And um, back in 1904, if, if you drove your car through the streets of London, you actually had to have a person waving a red flag, walk in front of your car. I'll do that. You know, so, yeah, so you, <laughs> okay. so you, uh, you wouldn't disturb the horses yeah. and, and, you know, cause a bunch of, of fuss. Yes. 
1904, they repealed, they repealed the red flag rule and they started this London to Brighton run as a celebration. And it's been going on seamlessly since 04, uh, and, and with a little break for some, you know, in times of war and, and, and this last year because of COVID, but, uh, uh, we're delighted that it's going to happen again. It's always the first Sunday in November, and it's not very far. It's only 60 miles from London to Brighton. But I yes. can tell you, if you you have to have a car that's 1904 or earlier, and uh, I don't think we've ever finished it in less than six hours. So it's, <laughs> you're it's moving a long right day. along, are you? You're you know, moving right when along. You have a, yeah, when you have a one-cylinder car, <laughs> it takes a little while. Yes, but. But yeah, we know we normally collect cars for, you know, it's nice to have a London to Brighton car or a car you can do the melee um, in Italy or yes. our, our more favorite melee, which is a, a like like event that's in in uh, Argentina in Patagonia, um, and you know there's everything like the Copper State in Arizona or the Colorado Grand. There's there's just so many great driving events. So for us, that's uh, that's our main reason for having a collection is to get, get out there and drive them. Gotcha. Are you able to modify the cars, uh, better brakes, uh, I don't know, air conditioning or something in, in some of these you know, old events? Some, some people do. It depends on the kind of event, you know, how authentic they need your car to be. But, you know, a lot of people have, have changed over to maybe safer tires or better brakes. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that can... <laughs> That can be a very nice thing to do, yeah. Sandra, Sandra go I, ahead, Bruce. I, uh, I see that you have way more cars than you can possibly allow to be entered. And sponsors, I see dozens of sponsors. Do you have way more sponsors than you have to turn down a lot? You have sponsors, you know, all from manufacturers down to beer and uh, liquor <laughs> sponsors. Is that a selection process, too? Well, in, in a way, um, you know, it's, it's, we only have so much room on the concept lawn for uh, new manufacturers to showcase kind of uh, futuristic concepts, you know, cars that may or may not ever be built, but the, it's a designer's, you know, current idea of the future for the company. Um, and that's one of my favorite things about the Pebble Beach Concours is we, we have this big nod to history but we also have this opportunity to look at, you know, where these manufacturers might be going. And uh, fingers crossed, because uh, uh, transportation has been a little bit challenging this year, but we have some concept cars that are really going to show you what, what's next for all of us in the great car world. That's electrics, great. electrics, I'm that, thinking. That's, huh? uh, that's a good tease for us. We really appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. They're probably a good place to... Um, to wrap it up, and um, uh, we just can't thank you enough. Uh, everybody knows that the whether it's your events or the other events that are on the peninsula, everybody is just um, uh, with anticipation, looking forward to having things uh, back. And um, we want to thank you for, well, and congratulate you for 35 years, 36 years, and and 70 years of the event. Um, it's the most famous, um, most prestigious, most event prestigious in the world. event, and. Uh, Everybody knows of it, but every year it just keeps getting better and better. So thank you on, on a personal note for what your organization well, does. You. And we can't wait to get everybody back together. It's again, gonna be a, you know? it's gonna be yeah. a blast, that's for sure. So thank you to 
uh, Sandra Button for being our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. We, we really appreciate it. And on some level, with all the people that you get to meet, maybe we can even shake hands. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. Okay, but th- thank <laughs> you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.